Is it really that important to eat organic? What is conscious parenting? Does homeopathy actually work? Oh god, the flu. How do I beat it naturally? How do I prepare for birth? What are the benefits of meditation? This is Healthy Happy Home, the podcast that opens up discussions on every aspect of wellness. We explore the topics of natural health and well-being, holistic parenting, consciousness, ethical entrepreneurship, inclusivity and wellness, and anything else that might fall within those parameters, to empower you to live your healthiest, happiest, and most fulfilled life. Our intention with this podcast is to offer a space for those interested in expanding their well-being education and to create and cultivate a beautiful and diverse union of souls ready to join us on this wellness journey. Join us over on social media and subscribe to the podcast to help us grow our healthy, happy tribe. This season of Healthy Happy Home is sponsored by Mega Home Water Distillers, the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller. Mega Home are kindly offering listeners of the Healthy Happy Home podcast a 5% discount. Just use the code HHH5 at checkout. Thank you to Mega Home. Looking for a wellness break in the UK? Well, you're in the right place. At Retreat Life, we take small groups on exclusive escapes to focus on well-being, fitness and health. Relax, reconnect and re-energise on one of our empowering retreats, all located in unique locations within the natural beauty of the British countryside. For more info, go to www.retreatlife.co.uk. And welcome to Healthy Happy Home and we are now on episode 16 and this is a fantastic episode that we actually recorded prior to the lockdown. Um, we didn't release it straight away because we wanted to re- make, re- do some recordings that were more appropriate to what was going on at the time and um, but we feel now that because what Tony talks about is going out to nature and rewilding and connecting and reconnecting with yourself that actually it's a perfect time to release this amazing episode yeah he's um it's tony riddle and uh, on instagram he's the natural lifestylist and we came across him because he's just so um i don't know the way he lives his life is so authentic and we heard about this uh, barefoot run that he did across the country from Land's End to John O'Groats barefoot when his wife was eight months pregnant with their fourth child and um yeah they're amazing and they're now doing like parenting courses and their whole I don't know we just like following him on Facebook on Instagram don't we because their whole kind of way of living is very inspiring yeah he he's another one that really walks his talk doesn't he? he's like he um yeah the way they have the kids in their room and they all sleep on the floor and he so after the episode we both went out and bought peace lilies because they're like yeah. cleansing for the house and he, yeah he's very inspiring he i mean he's super fit isn't he i mean oh my God, he's, his physique. His physique's unbelievable and and what i loved about him as well is the cold water swimming because i've just got into that i had got into that during the winter and he's a massive fan of the ice baths isn't he he's yeah like, well he yeah. was doing them every day during his run it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I just even like how he squats. I can't squat with both my heels touching the floor. He squats yeah. like how children squat. It's amazing. Yeah, and he had an interesting journey as well because he was in the army, wasn't he? And then he was a personal trainer and then he did Pilates and he's kind of found this amazing path to where he is. And he lives up in Hampstead, doesn't he? So he goes up to Hampstead Heath, takes amazing photos. I just think Hampstead has such an amazing energy. It's such a, if you're living in a city, it's, such, it's the best place to live because you've really got the energy of the heath and then you've got all the it's just a lovely place to live actually with all the lovely cafes and shops and you, you it's easy to be healthy in Hampstead even though it's in the yeah state. it's a bit like it, it's like Richmond as well where I live you know mm. in that park and the nature and the old oak trees it's just yeah especially with being in the lockdown you really appreciate that stuff so yeah. much a great episode we really enjoyed doing it and um it, it's been a while since we recorded it so we're actually really excited to get it out and have you guys hear it all and um and yeah. and see what tony is up to and hopefully follow him on instagram because he's just super inspiring yeah and he's, he's doing lots of workshops online as well now isn't he so he's um yeah he's act, he's very active very proactive yeah very um okay well let's get into it 
today by the man who ran barefoot from Land's End to John O'Groats, the natural lifestyleist himself, Tony Riddle. After 20 years of studying the modern condition and working on ways to free us from its constraints to achieve total wellness, Tony devised his natural lifestyle philosophy as a way to recharge, reboot and re-educate on the importance of realigning ourselves with nature for emotional, spiritual and physical health. As a natural lifestyle coach or lifestylist, Tony's work and his retreats and workshops are based around the premise that if we can recognise where nature is missing from our lives, we can reconnect with it and fall back in love with it and in doing so can shake the angst-inducing monkey off our collective back. As humans, he says, we can create environments for ourselves to simply survive or environments that enable us to thrive. We are the ultimate at adapting. However, the problem is that we can adapt to good or bad. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's a great so intro. Exciting. Well, <laughs> yeah. Did you like well, it's that? my that bio, sounds I guess. Great. But yeah, yeah, it's amazing, it's isn't it? I love that one. It always makes me feel a bit weird, you know. You should be proud, though. It sounds <gasps> yeah, it's, it's great. It's great, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um. Yeah. It's what you're doing. It's, it's what you've what, done. It's what I'm living. I you think know, sometimes yeah. we need that when you're living it yourself. You, it's hard to be kind of objective about your own achievements because you try and be modest and whatever. When someone reads it out, it kind of gives you that, yeah, I did do that. I kind of have this model at the moment. I was talking to this um, about on the radio on Monday because I end, end up on um, Virgin Radio on Monday morning with Chris Evans. Yeah, congratulations on that. Thing, yeah. right? Big audience and it's suddenly an opportunity for things to go mainstream, right? Suddenly you're delivering breath work and meditation and getting out in nature and sleep to the mainstream yeah. like, rather than being on the fringes. Um, and, and, and in those moments, there's I just want to remain in divinity. I want to remain present yeah. and so I try not to get too upregulated and excited because I think you can it, you know the ego kicks in other stuff Absolutely. kicks in it's like, oh yeah I'm on virgin radio yeah. um, and whereas I much prefer just to yeah just flow with it and just breathe into it and yeah. enjoy funny. each moment you know? It's funny how um, it was always called like alternative health. Yeah. And I was saying to my friend the other day, it's just so not alternative health. It is health. Like, what is the alternative? Like, no health, isn't it? It's like, why yeah, do the, we all call alternative? it alternative? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like when, when food went organic, really, yeah. it's just, that's just it's real just, food, that was, isn't it? That was food. Yeah, yeah that was food. Rather than, it you know, out of the factory. Chemical food, or food. Absolutely. I actually was with this, um, I took my son to a. Um, an incredible cranial osteopath who's a healer this morning I'm in Tunbridge Wells and his parents he's 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 he treats from the he's been treating since the 60s and his parents had this house it was theirs and his father was the pioneer a pioneer of alternative health in this country alternative yeah. health mm. <laughs> um, quote unquote um, doing reflexology doing healing through the feet before people knew that reflexology was a thing here yeah. and his mother qualified as a naturopath which had a different name um, in 1935, you know, it's not alternative. This is like it's the ancient people, wisdom as well from is. a lot of old old um, cultures, isn't it? That well, in England we're just kind of yeah. readopting at times. So. But it's also the stuff that we've lost from having elders. Yes. You know, we have elders now, don't we? Yeah. So we have <laughs> yeah. Old people, not elders. Yeah. yeah. So it's like we're rediscovering in a way. Yeah. You know, trying to come yeah. back to the village, and it's nice as well because get back to the circle. You know, that circle of trust and the inner circle and stuff that was passed around the fire and its wisdom and trying to reconnect with that somehow and, and I guess it has to be kind of not repackaged but every generation in, in a way engages with it in a different way so you're kind of giving back the old information but in a more modern accessible way I suppose absolutely I, 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 since changing my moniker to the natural lifestyle it's been amazing watching the transformation come because prior to that it was rewilding all the time which is now becoming a, 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 yeah. you know it's coming mainstream but originally it just got people's backs up really if I'm honest you know they had kind of a reaction to it we were discussing what we called zoo humans versus wild humans and no one could understand what it was to be a wild human because they thought it was primitive and mm. yet they didn't want to be called a zoo human that's an insult isn't it so mm. then simple little branding exercise rebranding and calling myself the natural lifestyle things just blew up you know yeah. I'm not doing anything different to what I was doing in the past it's just again style and understanding our oh, natural lifestyle well you're using a term that people associate with because wellness has become a thing now hasn't it yeah. so that's accessible and people are okay with the wellness industry they're okay to go to maybe you know a yoga class or without things being thrust upon them so yeah. I suppose that term is more it's um, no longer alternative it's no longer alternative <laughs> but you were we were just talking before we usually start our um each episode saying what's our intention for the episode 
um, which we did before the show, like between us as an, you ah, know, okay. as an energetic thing. But I suppose, you know, our, what's our intention for this episode? Yeah, what well, is your intention? Yeah. Come on, I'm intrigued <laughs> now. Our intention is to get to, for you to explain to people so that they understand and can in, engage with it in a, in a way that they can make little changes within their life. Mm. You know, like you don't have to change your whole life to go and, and live a more natural lifestyle because so you, we said you can do some great little like, changes yeah. Yeah. and what we like about you is you really practice what you preach walk your you talk walk your talk and you live in Hampstead so you know we're in London we live in London and and not all of us can just up and move to the sticks and be like you know I want to live life in the country sometimes we have to be where we are and make that work the point is is that that's how we start our shows but you were talking about starting the show with some breath work Absolutely. Um, yeah, we yeah. thought that our listeners would love, if, and we would, love and we to would do love. some. <laughs> We'd all love it. We'd yeah. all love. I've been in the car for three hours. If maybe you could um, start us off with some breath work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, an, I'm the same because I've had kind of the morning of clients, and we've just submitted. I'm doing a book, so that's just been the mm. proposal just been submitted this morning. Congratulations. So it's been up until that point. So you can imagine that it's, the tempo gets raised a little. And then straight in the car to over here. And then I know I've got the forest school pick up after this. Oh, the lovely forest school. So how do you stay, you know, present in amongst all of that? Yeah. And the traffic and the chaos. And it's breath work. Breath so work. Um, there's many modalities of breath that we can cover. For me, it's all about parasympathetic breath. So it's about down-regulating a system that might be up-regulated. Up-regulation is simply your fight-and-flight kind of response. Down-regulation would be more like rest and digest, more calm approach of approaching sleep or stressful meeting stressful phone call or for me it could be stressful commute on the way back and I'm about to walk into the house and the kids are waiting for me with a screaming newborn you know and they've been waiting for eight hours which seems like a lifetime mm. for them you know it's forever and what do I turn up do I turn up upregulated dad stressed out like an imposter or do I need to be the authentic dad coming in the door that's you know mm. receiving in a way so this is a very simple breathing app. It's by a guy called Eddie Stern. Okay. It's just called Breathing App. Okay, and we can put that in the show notes. The show notes yeah. exactly. I love saying right. show notes. I love saying show notes. <laughs> 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 just put it in show the show notes. notes. I know, it sounds so fabulous, yeah, isn't it? it's such a pod, isn't it? <laughs> um, and with this, you can set tempos, so uh, ratios. This is going to be a four and six. So it's a four-second inhale okay. and a six-second exhale. Okay. And we're going to revert to nasal breathing. So what you do, you're going to inhale rather than into the nose, which sound like this. We're going to go up through the nose, which is so just slight difference there, right? So thinking up through the nose, that's going to be four seconds, and then the exhale is six seconds, so it's slightly longer, and that means that will drop us into more parasympathetic. What happens is your heart rate and blood pressure drop slightly on the exhale. Okay. Um, with this, we can set a timer, so we're going to just do two minutes. Everyone has two minutes, right? Yeah. So everyone listening can do it as well. Pull yeah, over. We're all going to, we're all stop definitely for a No, you can do. You can actually do this driving. Oh, cool. It's just down regulation. Yeah. Okay. Um, just don't close your eyes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a two-minute round. So basically, four seconds in, six seconds out. Okay. We know that's only twelve cycles of breath is two minutes. So you can do that just as you're approaching the door when you arrive home. You can do it before the stressful email, the phone call. Every relationship around you will improve for it. You know, including so the one that you have with yourself. Right? Okay, great. Okay, so we're going to start. So okay. the first sound you're going to hear is an inhale, which is four seconds. I'm going to put this to the mic. That might help. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Here we go. And then an exhale. So an inhale up through the nose. And an exhale. Inhale.
Perfect. It's so simple, That's right? That's lovely, isn't it? And just drops you in. Yeah. That's I'm beautiful. definitely more chilled out now. I'm ready for bed. <laughs> I get quite overexcited though sometimes, and I and I kind of love it because I kind of it's a bit it's kind of like yay, but actually it's not. It's quite tiring after a while yeah. to run at What's that, that kind being of, up there. Yeah, being that. Oh, sort absolutely. Of, yeah, yeah. Because again, it's well, it's okay to be alert and up, up, you know, alert. Yeah. But you just don't want to be triggered, you know. Because so, you can go to anxiety quite quickly, can't you? When you're when you're like. Well, if you're upregulated, yeah. most people are, you know, it's about surviving and thriving for me. So thriving is trying to be as downregulated as you can. Yeah. You know, and removing that anxiety. And what we're finding is, you know, that the, the more disconnected we are from getting those physical, social, spiritual needs met, that might be simple things like either movement or sleep or rest or food groups that we were talking about earlier, mm. um, or just that 10% hip getting outside. The less connected I am to that, the more I'm in a... I'm more suffering I experience, mm. which is more upregulated, more anxiety. So we find that the new norm becomes that upregulated fight and flight. And it's only really when you do breath work or you do meditation do you realise what it is to drop back into self again. Yeah. yeah. You know? it, it's so it's like, always good to check in. I think even if that just means, you know, a minute here, yeah. a minute there, just oh that's what it feels like to sit back again yeah. and reflect, observe. And, yeah, two minutes really like even the energy between the three of us yeah. is like because yeah. we've all I'm come wicked. in from we usually we record in the morning but it's the afternoon now and we've all come in from you know having our lives before that and we have to somehow kind of realign the energy absolutely yeah, so that we it. can be if we're setting an intention for listeners for people to kind of benefit from we need to be living that ourselves. yeah we got to walk you got to walk your talk basically absolutely. well it's a human being not a human doing i right? love that you say so that, if you, yeah. oh you've said that before lauren that's his is that what you got to yeah. find and that's about yeah again just be it's a yeah. being more human isn't it so we all have um so each one of us has our own perception of an environment mm. right so our your perception my perception is slightly different of this room but it's it's our reality the reality is reality but we have a perception of that reality yes. so what chance do you have if you're upregulated and anxious and carrying a commute and everything else from seeing the reality? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because your perception of that environment has been flawed. Mm. So breathing alone will just enable you to hit like a reboot. It enables you to see from a beginner's mind again. So yeah. that's your accessing what is more of an authentic self. Because when we talk who about... Who you really are, you know, mm. not the mask. Yeah. I'll explain that. There's a guy called Bruce Parry. Do you remember, do you know Bruce Yeah, Parry? yeah, yeah. So Bruce was telling me about this tribe that he went to see called the Benjeli tribe. And they are... My husband loves his program. What he would say is completely just being, right? Like being. And he's done a lot of work, Bruce. A lot of, I mean, a lot of work. And he said it was just being with them for that, for a short period of time, he felt, for the first time in a long time, like an awkward Englishman. Mm-hmm. He felt like he was wearing a mask for one thing, one for humour and one for this. And that's what I mean about being authentic, whereas they, they are just being. They're dropped into that state of being the real authenticity that we're, we should all be in search of at some stage refining it at least mm. for me that's human experiences about trying to refine who you are as an authentic self and then there's the handover for all the people that are around you observing that behavior mm. everyone benefits from us being our authentic self right mm. absolutely i've been um getting i haven't had a full reading yet but i've been getting very into human design i don't know if you've yeah. heard of human designers amazing and that's because I'm very much about um you know as you go kind of go along the journey of self-development and self-growth and all of that and trying to kind of become the more work you do the more you realize you've got to do on yourself right and it's a never-ending process and human design kind of gives you the tools to observe really who you are in your authenticity and that's great because it helps you to understand yourself and helps you I suppose to understand why other people see you in a certain way and how you can realign that. So very, it's, it's just funny how energies align as well because as I'm getting more into that, everyone we're talking to at the moment is, is come talking about authenticity and wearing these masks and being authentic and being authentic and I'm just hearing this so much. So it's just such a yeah, big Yeah, I mean, being able to moment. see your own shit is literally like the best gift. If someone says something to you and you go, oh my God, I'm like that, that's like amazing I feel like we do that you and I tell each other a lot about each other (laughs) and we're like yeah okay yeah oh yeah I am like but I think my and I've got a lovely friend Andy and he always says that the 
he thinks that the way to we all need to just be better human beings like you were saying and the, the best way to do that in a way is with your relationships with other people because that's how you learn about yourself is through your relationships well I think the best relationships are the ones with children oh, because yeah. your children really do show you yeah. you know because you see it you suddenly hear something they might say or something they're doing and they've just learned through observing you yeah and they can because, see the bullshit well, they're, can't just, they? they're just becoming yeah. you you know and so exactly they can, you, then you no, but you see the bullshit oh, not yeah. they see yeah. the bullshit yeah. you see it yeah. they're just flagging it and highlighting it and then it's an opportunity then to say right okay that's that now I need to do the work and a lot of it's just inherited templates right yeah but they also teach us about ourselves and because I noticed I've said we did a, an episode with Deepa Devlukia on um, conscious parenting yeah and I you know my husband and I very much adopt that ideology not an ideology but that way of parenting um, but I've noticed with my, it's an effort for me right it doesn't come naturally to just be um, totally calm all the time and you know when life is hectic and that you need to leave the house because for whatever reason and he wants to get himself dressed which is great because he wants to be independent but I know that we need to be you know I observe myself and then I see how I am kind of intrinsically mm. so it helps you kind of I don't know I've just learned a lot about myself I've learned that what I am naturally and what I need to work at and what takes more effort from my part mm. So they're giving you like a little and mirror. Yeah, mm. giving you a mirror, but then you can work on those things if you actually acknowledge it and observe this thing kind of really gets my back up and I get angry at this. Well, why? You know, because it's not his fault. It's not their fault. So I think, yeah, they definitely teach you so well, much this, if you're willing to observe it. That's where the breath comes in, right? mm. see? Because the moment you can feel that upregulation, it's right, okay, it's not me. This is like the imposter again coming in. Yeah. You know, it's not naturally me. No. Again, it might be... Um, say I listen to my father saying right we've got to get out of the house this is make sure all the lights are switched off do yeah, this yeah. do this do that I've inherited that in my earliest years mm. therefore that's my template yes so that becomes my papa template for getting out of the house yeah so is that me no it's not that's just an inherited you know it's conditioning it's conditioning so therefore if I do my breath work if I can feel myself getting up regulated and then what happens is you you, you see it so differently yeah. you know and then eventually you coach yourself out of that yeah, you're able goes, to break down that programming. You can break, it down. That you can break it down when you go really into the, again, right, where's that coming from? I sit in it a lot. If I do a bit of breath work, now I can sit in it and go, okay, that's where that voice is, okay. And then you can almost um, have that conversation that it no longer serves you. Yeah, we and would you say... let it go, so otherwise you still carry it unless you actually have that ceremony of... It, there's gratitude in there, right, and having compassion for that voice that comes in. But there's also understanding that I have to let that go. It's almost like a divorce yeah. from the language. And the compassion is important because we can't kind of be angry at ourselves for our own conditioning. We can only do our best to observe it and work on it. Well, it's all compassion because it's just, what, again, it's inherited templates. So what you and I have inherited in the first six, seven years are the tapes we play out for the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. right? So where do we inherit that from our parents, right? Imagine the time our parents would have had when they were kids or their, you know, and some of them are post-war scenarios, yeah, exactly. right? What they're carrying, PTSD they're carrying, yeah. also not being able to show their emotions, especially for a guy. Yeah. Imagine yeah. the men, they weren't just weren't allowed to show emotion. So, yeah. you know, that's all wrapped up in there. So you can only have compassion for that, you know? Absolutely, and I you, see it with Always for parents, you have to have compassion for the parenting. Yeah. You know? I always quite, when I get hear my mum's voice in my head or I hear myself <laughs> sounding like my mum, I always think, I'm stressed. I'm stressed because <laughs> yeah. I sound like my mum. I love my mum, but I sound like my mum, but in a stressed yeah. way. And it's kind of a sign for me now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to hang up now. I have to call you back later. I can't have this conversation. It's quite a good kind of warning yeah. sign, you know. So. so you think it's all about breath work and that's it? Because you've got four kids. It's not all, not all about breath work. I think it's just this upregulate, the understanding when you're upregulated, when you need to downregulate, when you need to be calm, mm. you know and then stepping outside and observing a little. I mean, an example of that, I was walking to the tube one morning, so I'm tapering it back by 10%, and I stroll and I roll through my feet, and I arrive at the tube and, and get past the um, gate, and I'm standing at the lift entrance, and this guy comes tearing in, barges next to me, and then the doors open, and again tearing in, he's waiting at the next door for the door to open. Um, lift went down, everyone in the lift knows this guy's, you know, upregulated he just feels you know you can feel the energy off of him yeah. doors open and out he runs and it was very much like that cartoon scooby-doo type running on the spot <laughs> until slam he just hits the deck you know 
um, brushes himself off, has a look round as if it's everyone else's fault rather than his, and then off he tears again. And then I again just carry on my 10%. Slow to the steps, walk down the steps, and guess who I arrive standing next to on the platform? It's mm. the same guy that slipped over and cracked his hip. So, um, I mean, in terms of being of service, there could be um, that compassionate voice coming in that, yeah, he could be in a real rush to be somewhere, but it's, you know, you might not even make it if you're tearing around like that. Yeah, and this yeah at what cost, yeah. At what cost, and then that's not just um, people on the tube. There's people in cars driving out there. We live in Hampstead on Frognall, and it's like a 20-mile-per-hour um, speed limit. I've nearly been hit three times on the crossing at Arkwright with the kids crossing, where people were just tearing up and down the hill, not in their body, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So even if you're doing something that's, you know, super, in the modern world, like driving, you still have to be in your body and make this, yeah, make because this natural lifestyle. Again, because we're all so upregulated, right? Yeah. We're all so distracted. Like in my, in my parents' day, my dad would have... You know that ten. He'd have that ten percent, and he'd sit in the chair and he'd rest his eyelids. And everyone's like, "Are you asleep?" No, I'm just resting my eyelids. Yeah. Like it's, it's like a form of meditation or breath work. That's yeah. all they did, yeah. right? But they weren't in their rest, looking at their iPhone and not regulating that way. Yeah. So it's like we've removed the rest, and we're always on. Yeah. So if you don't take opportunities to step back, how do you observe your own behaviour within it? Yeah. You know, and Is also that- what example are you giving your kids if you're driving around? like a lunatic around Hampstead on a, on a school run and there's a crossing and you've nearly run another parent over with kids. Yeah, is, and is that what you teach people with what you do? Where you take people on a kind of like a rewilding and going back to the nature of how they sort of perform and behave and live? Is that what you're Yeah, tell, yeah talk okay. about rewilding. So the under the moniker of the natural lifestyle, it was a bit of rebranding, right? So I started off as a almost like rewilding and, and we would have this term zoo humans and wild humans right and people were insulted by being called a zoo human and they couldn't relate to being wild you know it seemed primitive or true judgment you know they have a judgment of what it meant to be a wild human and so for me it was really it's always been about just finding ways of living that are more in sync with uh, that primitive human biology right so it's just looking to the natural world to find those ways that we can bring into our modern world doesn't mean giving up on you know your modern world I, I have an iPhone I drive you know and but it's also honoring the fact that we are this in it's in our hardwiring we're still these natural beings right yeah, we are from nature so like your exactly. circadian rhythms and things like that everything is still aligned so yeah. it doesn't mean you know I'm not like saying you have to live like Captain Fantastic or anything like that it's just okay how do I thrive in a modern environment so that can be looking at people's sleep but really the habitat in which they sleep, not the habit of sleep, because the habit is driven by the habitat. Right, yeah. You know, So if you look at sleep in nature, um, there's a study of um, Professor Siegel of the University of California looks at uh, 99 tribes people, and they're from three different geographic locations, so 33 members of each tribe, and he they look at them for 1,165 days. Wow. And within that, they discover that not one of those people are sleeping for eight hours, whereas we're led to believe that if you don't get eight hours, you're suffering from a a sleep debt or sleep deprivation, and off the back of that, you're prone to diabetes, obesity, fatigue, um, inflammation, (laughs) and all these things. But again, that's more stressful. So then end up more people coming in and going, I'm not not doing eight hours. Well, okay, let's look at nature as an example. No, they're sleeping between 5.7 and 7.1 hours, right? No one's diabetic. They're certainly not obese, and they don't look like they have the inflammation. They're some of the most amazing specimens, right? So then we can say, well, what's different? And it's the habitat. Yeah, there's so, so many variants to it. Right? Is, that, is that the biological, I've heard you talk about biological, biological norm. Dark, darkness or something. So, the biological, so their biological norm yeah. is their social norm, right? Yeah. Whereas our social norm is often biologically extreme. Right. So what I mean by that is a simple thing like heating, light bulbs, air purity, right? So they have, they don't have the ability to create sunrise at sunset, you know? So when it's sunset, it's sunset, sun goes down. And when that happens, this amazing thing through melatonin starts to be introduced through the body and it starts to creep in at 6, 7, then by 10 p.m. it's at its peak. Melatonin then um, is the, almost the, the prime, one of its primary roles is the, regulatory system for your digestion so it helps 
suppress ghrelin, which ghrelin is telling you I need to eat, and then it, it picks up leptin, which is then suggesting I'm satiated. So firstly, you don't need to eat after that time because your hormones are in check. So what else do they have? They have air purity, right? really clean air. Mm. The temperature's a lot lower, so they don't have central heating. They just have a fire, and the fire's there, and they keep the fire going, hence not being able to go to sleep for eight hours. Um, and also the other thing is just the information they're open to. So the fire to them is like I was discussing earlier, that's about imparting wisdom, romantic stories, you know, mm. storytelling and, and community and communication and oh, human contact. Sounds beautiful. And we have our modern day fire, which is our Mac or our TV or whatever device we have in our hands, which more often than not is programming in really weird toxic information. And emitting blue light. And emitting blue light. So the yeah. so blue and green spectrums of light suppress melatonin. So we know that now, right? So the idea is around the um, fire is they have biological darkness. So the moon and the stars emit like one lux of light. The fire doesn't have blue and green spectrums. And studies show that anything above 60 lux of light will suppress melatonin, right? Which means then you don't have the regulatory system for the digestive system. So we get hungry after a particular time. We don't feel like we're satiated, so we keep snacking after a particular time. Um, melatonin is not coming in to then dumb down the system and slow things down in order to prepare for sleep. But also its, it's other roles are like things like optosis, apoptosis, which is the death of cell. And then it also has anti-cancer properties and... There's studies around like night shift workers where they have them in simulated, um, brightly lit night working experience versus a dark room that's meant to be like sleep. And then the same simulated light experience, but with someone wearing blue blocking glasses, which block out those blue and green spectrums. Um, and then they do a melatonin test in the morning and the ones that have been working in the brightly lit working experiment they don't have any melatonin the people that are in the dark room have melatonin the people that will be wearing blue blocking glasses also have melatonin so a simple thing you can do in your sleep environment is either wear blue blocking glasses which for me it works when i'm traveling but i don't want to be walking around with blue blocking glasses on at home feeling like bono are you looking at screens with your blue blocking glasses then well you can put a wash over them like efflux but also bulbs so you can just get normal spotlights like these which aren't quite normal you have a remote control Ding, and then they go amber. So then you don't have the blue and green spectrums and you've created biological darkness, oh, which is lovely, the equivalent yeah. of firelight. Oh, yeah. So all your devices, you can put f.lux as an app that will wash things over. Um, if I'm working directly and I'm in front of a screen for a long period of time, I will still wear, but I wear clear. So um, they just look like normal okay, reading glasses right. and they probably block about 80, 90%. Oh, you'll have to tell us where. What, so what, in, what it, are they called? Where can um, I get there's, those? There's many brands. One, I wear a Felix Grey. Um, and you get prescription as well. Show notes, show notes. But don't wear them in the day (laughs) because in the daytime you need the blue, really bright blue light because that helps you bring in things like happy hormones like serotonin, Mm. right? And then serotonin is necessary with an amino acid called tryptophan to synthesize melatonin. So what you do in the morning in the really bright light is really important for the sleep in the evening. Yeah. So you need to get that in check. Yeah. So then there's just air purification after that. Right. So if you are, um, I have some, some people that come to see me, they might have been in their bedroom in the same room for 20 years, right? Well, they come out of it, but you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that eight hour cycle we're led to believe we need. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't come out of the room. Um, so they're in there for um, eight hours a night for 20 years. So they've been sleeping in the same linear box for that length of time. So there's a sensory deprivation that's going to come on through that, right? Just in the, and, then, and then it's about materials. So what are the materials you have in your room? Then we need to look at things like paints and mastics and glues and, and things that with central heating heat up and then put more neurotoxins in. So neurotoxins are like things like benzene, xylene, formaldehyde. You can get just peace lily plants or just put a huge number of plants in a room and that will help deal with the air purification that's necessary. There's NASA's list for that, the 10 most purifying plants and exactly what they do. Or you can go tech, you know, and put a, something like a Dyson or a Blue Air um, yeah in the room and then you know that that's going to remove 99.9% of those particles from that environment so then you're breathing clean Mm. Um, and then materials so if you're upgrading anything in a bedroom which we all do over time just think natural yeah 
don't go with you know weird foams and plastics isn't that a great ethos like for life that. generally yeah, well, it's, it's, but it's obvious isn't yeah. it as a natural lifestyleist but yeah. it's, you'll be surprised right so what is your bedroom what, what's happening in your bedroom not what's happening in your bedroom <laughs> what's happening we don't what's come out for 20 years <laughs> um, what, like what's your bedroom what materials have you got what plants have you got so what I, don't you have we have peace, peace lilies in there we have biological darkness as in circadian lighting by a company called Auriglow show notes show notes and that's a remote control um we then have peace, so peace lilies are in there. We sleep on a woolen mattress, like an organic woolen yeah, emperor, yeah. super emperor mattress topper. An emperor size. Wow. Super emperor, because we're all in there. We go uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got, yeah so we don't have a bed. We have a topper, and then we have all the bedding that goes with it. Right. It's all organic stuff that we choose, and then it means that we also can roll up that, and then we have a whole room available afterwards. Wow. And you're sleeping on the so ground. So it's just a topper. And it's you're not a mattress. I did no that. mattress. I did that with Arthur, my son, my who's 18 now. But I remember trying to breastfeed him, put him back into a cot, and then having to try and stay awake. And after a while, I was like, right, forget this. And I just took the, right, right, we're getting rid of the bed. The mattress is going on the floor. I'm getting a futon for Arthur next to the bed. And we're all just going to sleep on the floor. And actually, it was brilliant. Because well, you we just used to roll over, breastfeed I mean, him, go back to sleep. That's what we find it. through co-sleeping. It's like, you know, most of... Well, friends that I know that have had babies, they all look really trashed for a period of time, yeah. right? You're like, how are you? I have to get up and do this. But the guys are like, I had to get up and do the feed in the night. And, you know, they're, they're going to work, like, getting up for 6 a.m. in the morning, and they're absolutely trashed. Yeah. And you're like, wow, look at this. I mean, how is that possible? Yeah. Because you're and having to properly wake yourself up in order to put a baby back down yeah, to sleep somewhere in a, and then go in back to sleep. In a separate environment. If we were to all, I understand nature and connection, yeah. right? What's the, what's, where would you do that in nature? No baby would be put down in nature. No. Yeah. We would never have had to do that. Abandoned so 200,000 years. So this is like a mod, really modern phenomena, which then would be abandonment, right? It's the worst feeling to have, abandonment, right? But I've got a question for you because I, my children are notoriously bad. I never mention it on the show ever. Um, notoriously bad sleepers. My little one's 15 months. And I was so ready to co-sleep because I still breastfeed. And yeah, yeah. for me, it's just, if that was, you know, going to help me get more sleep. And when she's in the bed with me, she will not sleep. She's climbing on me. It's playtime. And it's just, I can't. Maybe you need a bigger bed, though, because that's I've what got, I did. I've got super had, like, It's pretty big. I had uh, a bed, like a futon next of Arthur's next to my mattress. So it was Our like bed's a, pretty big, i got to say. And there's plenty of room for her. She just sees it and as... She's 15 months, but it's funny what you... Cause I thought you were 15 from it. Yeah, like, still breastfeeding her at 15. <laughs> maybe, she's not used, but maybe she's not used to it now, so maybe it's something in a way that you need we to tried, just... You know, we yeah, tried, you know what? We tried it the So I would basically start down-regulating the environment first. We do. So you know, really, all the, all the lighting saying, off, even candles. Yeah. And then simple things like breath. Mm, all the know? things you were saying, because we were a friend of mine, Claudia Simon, she's a, a holistic sleep coach, and um, she gave me this information that I hadn't heard before because I wasn't comfortable with the whole sleep coaching idea. Mm. But she's done this kind of like gone into the holistic side of it because she's a doula as well. And um, all that information was what she had given me that I didn't really know about, you know, increasing the melatonin levels. I've been brought up in a house where it must be really warm at bedtime and heating right. up. And, uh, no, Brighter no. the lights, the better. Has right. it no, got, not has even it that, just the heating and like being warm. And now we turn off the heating Great. and the heating's off all night. Yeah. And um, that did help. That, that changed things for sure. We're still a bloody nightmare. What time is it though? Well, we start the whole like routine at six and lights go dim. We do bath with um, with uh, sensor lights, like really low lighting yeah, with yeah, the bath. Yeah. Lavender in the bath. Got essential oils burning. Um, Maybe and she just doesn't need so much sleep. And do you think people... I do. Yeah. <laughs> I need a bit more. You need yeah, to well, like, sleep we have it. So we've created now with Tallulah, Lola and Millie. Katarina and I actually just go, we're going to bed. And we just go to bed. And then Lola, Millie and Tallulah will just, you know, when they're ready, they'll go to sleep. So it's not like we actually say... Well, if you want to stop, that's fine. Just, you know, everything's safe. Tallulah's little, right? How old is she? She's Tallulah's three and a half now. Three and a half, right. But your your baby is tiny. Yeah, he's he's out by five, I think, 5.30. Presumably still waking up through the night. Not really. It doesn't really sound like he wakes up in the night so much because he's right next to Katerina and they have an amazing ability to find the boob in the night. Yeah, Yeah. you know. And then Katerina just kind of stirs a bit and then she goes back to sleep. So she's been sleeping, amazing sleep. So he might go down at, say, 5, 5.30... Katarina have a power nap at that point. Oh, really? 
and then we all go to sleep at around nine. So yeah. you got you got to maybe like this is great. This is really expansive for people because in our modern life, and even for me, and I live you know quite an extreme natural life in many ways. But this is new information for me because in my mind, and I suppose our modern minds generally, five five thirty is like we're doing dinner and we're organising. Like, how does she take a power nap? You've got three other kids. Well, it's just being organised, isn't it? Like <sighs> yeah. we we just have a different timetable, so we all wake up at five a.m. or five thirty rather than seven thirty. Yeah. And then we go all go to bed that bit earlier. Right. Um, and then I cook. I'm quite happy cooking. It's so quite, what time do you go to bed? Um, either 9 or 9.30. Mm-hmm. I want to be asleep and out by 10. Yeah. It's, it's kind so of... it's the new 9 till 5 for me. That's yes. where the real work is. right? Yeah. If you can get down, get your routine done, so you're in the bed at 9, knowing that you're going to be asleep by 10, because melatonin's at its peak at 10 p.m. Yeah. So that's when you really want to be nailing it. And then there's also between 10 and 2, I think it's the human growth hormone cycle. So anything after 2 a.m. is really a bonus. You've got to get that 10 till 2 really in place. It's, it's really lovely as well because what you're doing is going with the flow of the kids. So I think, you know, a lot of people feel that they need to, like, you can't let the kids kind of dictate what happens. And I guess for some people, their husband's coming back from work and they're like, oh, well, we have to have dinner together. Oh, the me time, time that like, inherited me time template so weird, though, is such it? a weird one. It's like, yeah, but you're a family. So for some people, you've been waiting all this time to have kids, well, right? Be hard, with them. Yeah. And you be a family and be a tribe together. Be it, do it together. Yeah. You don't, you know, don't you should be able to discuss anything in front of your kids yeah. anyway, right? And some people sort of stay up for that extra few hours because, like, I need to have a wine, I need to have relax for the evening. Yeah. But then you're like, Daniel's but then you're like going that. to bed really late and then you're getting knackered. And then the what do the kids are, want to do? Yeah. Wake up. They want to be awake because you're awake, right? So they see you having this template, right? The adults go to bed at this time. So then what are we coaching in? That You know, I, I, they're always going to want yeah. that behaviour. So what time are your older kids going to bed? It's the same, really. Because once you'll be what, amazed, nine, that nine, once nine, we say, right, okay, we're going to bed. Everybody's chilling out too, yeah. Like the girls will go, oh, we're going to bed now. And so they, you can tell they're up for about two minutes because they want to push it a bit. And then yeah. they go, right, we're going to bed now. Yeah, that's amazing. Because the whole energy of the house. My husband's very much like that. I mean, he, he, although recently getting into meditation and and breathwork himself, he is learning to, he's, every night, he's like, I'm just being. Brilliant. What are you doing, Dan? I'm just being. Mm. And I'm loving it because it really is bringing him back to himself. And the connection between us has been amazing because of it. But he very much has this thing, you know, he's in the city, you know, and he comes back and he's like, when the kids are in bed, I need time. And I do get that. He needs to just, that downtime, you know, before going to bed, even if he's knackered. And sometimes I say, but you're knackered, go to bed. It's a conditioning though, maybe, that it people is, think, yeah. oh, they, you is. need your own time. And but then, actually... like, you know, every time, every night before I go to sleep, I, I do I do breath work or a meditation and I read, like, that's my thing. I have mm. to read, even if it's a few pages, that's my downtime. So I do get it. Like, I need that thing that's just mine. It's not for the children. You know, I'm still a human being. I'm not just a mother, and that's my pleasure. So that's... I I always think that, you know, you'll be amazed that if you actually run a diary and see how much me time you have, though, that's in your day. Yeah, because kids sleep in the day when they're little. Most people spend a lot of time away from their kids, you know, if it's school time or wherever they are. Unless you're homeschooling. Unless you're doing about how much time do you actually have... Yeah, you know, and also own. like my kids are eighteen and fourteen now. Like I have as much me time as I want. Yeah. You know that we that. And you never get those years. Back, and it wasn't right? that long ago. Yeah. And well, mind you, I have nearly fallen asleep with Lola every night until a, a couple of years ago, and she's fourteen now. But I would pretty much go to sleep with her every night. About yeah, we're well, we have so a Lola. Nice. You've got, both got a Lola. So, yeah. so our Lola, she's now ten, and Lola and both Millie, they've decided that's it. They're in their own room now. Mm. We didn't ask them to go. They just said, right, we're going to sleep on our own now. Yeah, sweet. And then I think also that co-sleeping foundation is that they've had it. So they don't want to keep coming back to it. Do you know what I mean? It's not like you've yeah. kept them in one room and therefore they want to know what's going on in this room. A bit like the later yeah. bedtime story. Yeah. yeah. It's like, no, we're done now. Okay, it's, it's quite, enough. It's we're nice to see them coming now. out of That's underneath good. your wing as well, isn't it? I mean, it's so beautiful, everything you're saying, because... I'm literally like the cogs in my brain are working and I'm seeing that your children have emotionally and physically had all their needs met then at that very kind of pivotal age where children do start doing more for themselves they're they're, they're saying right we're ready and it's not the parents enforcing anything on them before they're ready and you're watching them kind of 
you know, the proverbial fleeing the nest, they're not fleeing the nest, but ready to kind of take that next step mm. towards independence. And it just sounds so nice. But you want them to go from out of, from under your wing though, don't you? Like the, as they come into the teenage thing, they kind of, they want a bit You're more You're very good time. with that. Because I feel like I, when my, the older my kids get, I'm like, oh, you know, I want to get hold on to the baby stage. And you, you, you're very good at kind of so appreciating each age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to, basically you want to give them the, the best foundations, don't you, emotionally. Yeah. you know yeah and then so when they're ready to go they're ready to go so it's first of all it's the emotional layer really get that right you know so have all those emotional yeah. needs met let's say so what are then the emotional needs right so we know that that's that contact the human connection the whole time i was on chris chris evans talking about elimination communication right no yeah nappies yeah on my Monday. friend daisy does that and again that was a classic example of that because that for me is rewilding right so it's about rewilding the behavior at a very early age so we did that with Tallulah. And we've, um, we Can were living in. Can you explain in, what that is for people? Yes, yeah, so we were living know. in Ibiza at that point, so it was much, it, actually easier, mm, much easier. When, yeah, it's so much easier. When but it's because we have that it. now as a template, we can now do that with Bo in London. Whereas it, it originally with Tallulah, it felt like whoa to be able to then say that we're not going to use a nappy or a no diaper, right? And so the idea is that Katerina firstly would build this really strong bond with Tallulah at that time. And so that she knew all the signals, right? The signal for everything. When she's tired, like all the senses, when to need to feed, when Tallulah would need to feed, and in this scenario would be when she needs to go to the toilet. And then what would happen is she then she would take Tallulah out of the sling and put Tallulah um, so that she could wee or poo, whatever she needed to do. Not over a potty, just whatever it was, right? Mm -hmm. And so that Tallulah would suddenly get to this stage where she realises she's being heard. I think that's the most important. So that's that's mm. that's going into that emotional layer again, isn't it? You you understand your child, and they're they're giving you a signal, and you're listening rather than putting a nappy on and then coaching them into pooing or weeing in a nappy for mm. a period of time. In some cases, three four years now, right? And then you would then tell your child that what they've been doing is wrong, yeah. that they need to now go here. So everything you've told them for four years isn't right. We now need you to do this instead. So there's there's that wrapped up in it. But for me, it was more about making them aware that you're hearing. And then what would happen with Tallulah, her signals would get stronger. And that meant that I could understand the signal. The girls could understand the signal. Mm. And then Tallulah within, I think, by 11 months, she would... She knew when she'd, she'd basically do a wee or a poo on the floor or something, let's say, and then she'd be off, she'd pick something up, she'd wipe it up, and she'd take it to where she knew that it had to go. Wow. Right? Just amazing, just that. And what kind tune. of age was she then? About 11 months, wow. I think, she was already it's kind of weird, in the body like that. So has Bo not been in nappies at all? No, he's in, He's in. we've got the little disposable, not disposable, the, the, um, reusable, the yeah. reusables. Mm. Um, but already that's changing. So we're already, we know he's got a certain wiggle, he needs a wee. Yeah. And then we get him into a squat when he needs to do a poo anyway, so that helps him. It's yeah. funny because some kids, I think, wake up at night because they need because they are going to the loo, aren't mm. they? So that's why you kind of stop trying to feed them too late because they they they're conscious of weeing, aren't they? Even even babies. Yeah. I think. So it's that. So how do you get? How do you really refine that for them? And again, for me, the human experience is always about we want to. We've got to refine. It's about refinement. So how mm. do we refine? this experience and for them it starts really early don't dumb them the senses down how do we really enable them to explore it you know? I feel like we do that because of our modern lives and because we need I always say we live in this age of convenience parenting everything has to be easy and when you come back to basics it's not easy it's the natural way it's not necessarily the easiest thing because people who are going to work and this and that they they haven't got time to listen to their children's cues and the and, and that's why we're kind of rushing our children to do all these things or moving away from nature because it's not convenient for us because mm. I don't know many people that would be as committed as Katerina as you know in, we've in lost something a bit like of community that. as we well have, we've we? lost that which sense is, of connecting to our children you, you have the several mothers several fathers right yes, scenario in nature again right so yeah. if you look at Gabal Mate's work it's fascinating for that so even like if, if the if a mother within if the mother was experienced any trauma let's say mm then the other mothers would fill in the void <laughs> yeah. so the child wouldn't inhale or inherit, sorry, the, um, well, it's both inhale and inherit, yeah. the trauma, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's so, uh, and so mothers get so we're burnt taking out, that really? on, right? Yeah. And then mothers do get burnt out, but they're also getting burnt out because I feel is that they in, in innately know that what they're doing isn't how it should be aligned with their yeah. child. So it's almost like this, it's not quite, 
working together. Yeah. That's so true. Didn't you I know? say that to you? I said that to Tilly a while ago. I said the time when when it gets the hardest with Vida is the time when I feel the most disconnected. When I'm trying, I'm like, I just need her to sleep now. And I try all these kind of methods. And it's and not, people say, do that, do, do that, that, do that. And it's yeah. not me genuinely connecting with her and listening Knowing. to her and using my maternal mm. instinct. That's the time when it gets the hardest. But the, then in a way, the we haven't, we, we, we try, uh, we encourage people now to follow their instinct, don't we? And you yeah. try and you tell your kids, you know, see, what did, what did you think? Did you think that was right? Trust your instinct. Yeah. And that's something that we, have kind of lost along the way that's coming back now but so maybe you're not as confident with your instincts as you might have been 400 years ago you know but again some simple thing like this elimination communication then you are telling them to trust that yes, feeling exactly. you know it's, yeah. it's that it's that's the refinement you tuned I'm into your about. body but again it means a totally different landscape you know yeah. I'm, I'm involved with doing a, a co-working space with someone and I kind of had this vision for the future being you know, because it's moving away from, you know, a full day's work anyway. It's going to move, it's going to be minimized. More people are going to work from home over yeah. time anyway. Yeah, they are already. So then the entrepreneurial woman of the future, father of the future, can then do the full nine months in, nine months out. You know, you can be carrying your child for those nine months. There should be work environments. We have, um, what is it? What is it called? The Albright. I went for a meeting at the Albright, all women's club, right? Yeah, like or the wing. You should be able to take a baby in in a sling, right? Mm. You should be able to go into a co-working space now with a baby in a sling because guess what? When the baby's needs are met, they're not crying, are they? Yeah. They're only, you know, and what's the worst thing for a woman to be faced with, right? This conversation between career or nurturing the child. It's got to be really tough. So that's probably the real stress that's in there. So we could, in theory, in the future, start to remove that. And then we bring continuum concept in, which is, you know, if you think continuum concept, which is, is how you know, that she actually looked at um, tri- children within tribes for a period of five years, let's say, and went back to the tribe because she realised that within that period of time, oh, my God, the children weren't crying because they had their needs met, right? Mm. So it's not like the office of the future would be full of crying babies because the babies would have their needs met. So it yeah. makes it a lot easier to navigate that. Yeah. And again, you end, the, end up then with more emotionally balanced mother and babies and child growing. Yeah, yeah. because the kids are really the affected by the environment. So if you're like relaxed and chilled out, the kids are in a relaxed, chilled out environment. Yeah. You know, it's no judgment. But, you know, I've got friends that put their babies already into nurseries at like eight, nine months. Yeah. Right. So well, if you understand, have to go to work. because they have to, because they have to go. But in yeah. the current model of what that work is, yeah. But that's what almost needs to shift that environment yeah. yes. because if we understand emotional well-being. And it takes, say, the last trimester plus the first three years for true emotional development to occur. Should you really be disattaching? Yeah, yeah I love that bit. Is that they say in the that period of time, the first three months of the baby is the like the trimester. fourth trimester. But you're saying it's actually more like a, a year. It's not just the first three months. The first year they That's need to be different, though, I think with the, the fourth mother. trimester. No, no. So last like last a... trimester plus three years is your plus three years oh, three is years. your that's a, that's a thousand days, isn't it? And that's your emotional development. Then you move into like the imagination brain, mm. okay, yeah. and then the intellectual brain, right? So it's. I see the emotional really, of those first three years you want to be but there's more to family. it than that there's things like you know microbiome for instance oh, your yeah. microbiome started on microbiome it only reaches maturity at the age of three right yeah. and there's properties in breast milk that we know only feeds the the microbiome the bifidobacterium of the baby okay. so then we can say well how long should you be breastfeeding for well if bre- microbiome doesn't reach maturity till three and there's properties in the breast milk that only feed the microbiome yeah. then should i be breastfeeding till the age of three yeah. if 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 that again that would be in its in nature what would be happening mm. so for yeah. those people that keep asking me why i'm still breastfeeding that's a really great answer it really is but there's the emotional connection because three years is the emotional brain right last trimester yeah. was three years so then they get all the emotional because the boob isn't just milk it's many things isn't yeah. it right rather than a dummy or a pacifier it actually has an emotional being you know and then there's the microbiome that goes with that do you know why this is so incredible because it's amazing to hear it from a man yeah because we rarely you know we have um doulas and lactation consultants and all sorts of people coming on the podcast but to hear this from a man who fully understands the physiology and the biological needs of a baby it's just so lovely to hear it well i've started going down the path of of um of um birthing positions now because i'm doing this we're doing a workshop you and katarina are doing a workshop together yeah we're doing a workshop and it's called um play breathe parent so the play aspect is to rehydrate the atrophied state for the adult which is play you know, and get people moving and playing together. So you raise all those happy hormones, oxytocin and serotonin. 
and then endorphins and endocannabinoids and people just it's like getting loads of happy hormones in a, in a shaker a human shaker and pop, mm-hmm. out, pops a happy human but then i'm going to move towards um which will be um, movement sessions aligned with if basically if you if you if you if you're looking at having a child a baby then what you want to do is try and you want to basically give them the most amazing start in life don't you we all want that right we just want to give them a base yeah that's all we want to do and that's the responsibility we take on as a parent right so it's almost like in the first nine months this is where i would go i would say forget like the paraphernalia that comes with birth the 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 push chairs and the yeah, sterilizers yeah. and all this right get a microbiome kit and go and get your microbiome tested so you can at least have the appropriate foundation for the child to inherit because when the baby's born the, literally the baby picks up the mother's bacteria and that's their first foundation yep. of their microbiome yeah. so that's the first thing we've actually got so we've got tony Harmon who created the film um microbirth i don't know if you saw it she's coming on the podcast no, in a of brilliant yeah, she's amazing Sorry, carry on. And Prepare then, the womb, not the room, right? Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> and then go into um, and then go into the the birthing position. So, for me, it's like the squat, kneeling, and other rest positions are there so that gravity can assist the birth. So you don't go into your physical reserves, <clears throat> and in that way, then you can keep the birth in more aligned what would be a spiritual, emotional rite of passage, which it is rather than it turn into a physiological, pharmaceutical, um, medical experience, you know? And for some, this, I mean, it's the way yeah. it is, but if, if, you really, if you really go there, that you can strengthen that physiology mm-hmm. and you can start to work in those nine months to get your body in its physical preparation, preparation yeah, prepare, prepare the physical body for that birth so that even a squat doesn't feel like an exercise, mm-hmm. it feels like a rest position. Yeah. And therefore, gravity can assist the birth because it's like I coach anything. Like running is a skill, and it has a technique, technical foundation, a physiological foundation, and a mind. Birthing is a skill, right? It's the same. It's just a skill set that we've kind of lost, and we have to understand that the way to improve the technique would be improve the birthing positions and get make them stronger yeah. in those birthing positions. The physiology improves, and guess what? The mind then is much more capable oh, yeah. and when you think because when you know like, you and you believe you can do it yeah, you do it then if you bring things like birth it um, breath work and you know it just it just change it just changes that whole absolutely whole experience i feel yeah you know? that was major major part of uh, parenting for me was how i was going to birth my babies that was a huge huge thing for me and i prepared i prepared before i was even pregnant in all honesty it was a, such a such a thing that i always kind of intrinsically felt that I wanted to experience yeah and it's not but it's not to say things you know things might go wrong it it happens yeah of course but it's it's getting you it's like saying you're giving yourself the advantage because if the mind is relaxed in the moment and the physiology is that I can handle this Mm -hmm. and you've worked on what the birthing positions would be so you're strong enough for that you can physically cope with it the chances are if you minimize then the 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 risk right but it's not to say things won't go wrong. But it, no, it you're just allowing happens. the natural hormones to do what exactly. they should do. Exactly, yeah. and so gravity, that, that, and but allowing it gravity to do its job. That's the yeah. point. And then it doesn't turn into this physiological trauma. Mm. And it, it becomes a trauma, right? Oh, absolutely. So it's so not just traumatic for you, it's traumatic for so the baby. So it's first templates almost that. Are you and Katerina, are you doing workshops that they're going to start from birth and move people through the different... I mean, depending what age children It's with someone have. else. Her name's Josie Taylor. So she's a positive discipline... Um, practitioner coach she's amazing i mean that's in the language to empower the child right and listening to the nudges and the, and removing that kind of those inherited templates again of praise punishment reward mm. um but we're going to go yeah we're going to start with play so that's the adult and then into movement and then from movement then we're going to create um breath work and cover breath work for a lot of the dads i feel are, that's needed you know because that inherited dad voice you know it's we got to try and work through that a little, I believe, as a papa, yeah. uh, a positive papa, and then and then breath that we can then be encouraging through other things like you know breath to just downregulate, breath to get more heightened. If you're really slumped in the afternoon, you can do upregulating breath rather than smashing coffee. Then that's a better template. Um, and then we move into language, so that's the talks that come after that, which will weave a story. Yes, we're going to go through, I guess, birthing through to co-sleeping through to breastfeeding and, and, and 
Beyond. And beyond, yeah. Fantastic, yeah. Well, you'll have to give us the details for that so we can put it on our show notes. Put it show in the show notes. notes. <laughs> put it in the show notes. I'm so good, but like, there is so much content we could cover, but we're running out of time, so I really want you to talk, us, talk to us about ice baths quickly. Ah, what's the time? Quarter past, yeah, I've got to fly. Um, so, ice baths, yeah. For me, the ice bath, well, put it this way, I ran from Land's End to John O'Groats, yes. and I did it barefoot, so it was like um, 30 miles a day for what was meant to be 30 consecutive days. Yeah, we followed your journey. Right at the end, day 26, I sprained an ankle and um, I couldn't run 27, couldn't stand up, it was just too painful. And yet I then just did, I went through meditation, breath, where well, I sobbed a lot to start with and just, you know, let the vulnerability go. Mm. And then I could go from victim to change my language to healing because you can't heal anything if you're in the victim mode of yeah. the injury. You have to switch all your perception into health and recovery and that through that I th- that was through breath work and meditation and then I was going into ice and so the ice not only dealing with the injury and the recovery but it's also it's a hit of adversity so I treat the ice as adversity why is that important well if you think we've um, our ancestors have traversed probably some of the most hostile environments there have been you know for us to be here today to get stressed out over an email or a phone call right or a car journey Imagine what they would have faced in terms of stress. So it's almost like our perception of stress needs somewhat resetting. And for me, the ice works like that. It's, wow. an, it's a hit of adversity. So you, if you can remain calm going into the ice and in the ice, then you'll be amazed at what you can face beyond that. Wow, you that's know? an so amazing about, way of thinking. It's about <laughs> down-regulating in the intensity of that ice bath. And so breathing, that, really, isn't it? So and then working through the breath. But the breath, breath enables you to stay down-regulated mm. in the stress. And then you know, okay, yeah, I mean, what's stress today? Yeah. What do you face? Mm. But we don't have rites of passage anymore, real stress. We just have this constant barrage, right? This insidious, insidious kind mm. of relationship almost with it. How do I change that template if I don't really, if I'm never really faced with adversity? And so I feel that's that's for me. And is, is I, the I, ice bath. And I see you go to Hampstead. I, I've been getting into the cold water swimming. Me and Lauren are now having cold showers, aren't we? Sometimes. <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, I know you just feel <laughs> so great afterwards. But um, how? So do you go in any time of year into Hampstead? How often would you go up there and swim? It depends, really. I mean, sometimes my diary is a bit ram. So and I was in Ireland at the weekend, so I swam in the Irish Sea at the weekend. So that's wow. fantastic. Yeah. And then that's a different body of water. You're really getting thrown around by it. How um, does your body react to that? Because uh, I just mean, it's stimulates so your lymphatic cold. system so much that it just gives you amazing pump and your heart, yeah, your it? immune system, everything. So it's um, yeah. Again, it's that. It's, I, for me, it's always about the mind. I, don't, I mean, there is the huge physiological benefits and immune system benefits for it, but for me, it's the mind. It's the mm. mind. I, I set a freezer up. I have a freezer set up as well, just a normal chest freezer that's filled two thirds water and then ice, and it switches on for two hours a day. So it's always at two degrees, and I get in there and I can get Do in you? there. at home? I have one at the studio, and I can get in there for 10 minutes. Do you? You know, I'm just what, like working just on sit breath. In it. I put this breathing app on that we had earlier, oh. and I just stay with that, and I take my clients through. I've got a 72-year-old woman, Vera, was in there for four minutes the other day, you know? Wow. So for her, it's like, wow, that's hugely empowering. Four minutes, that's incredible. And then... Um, and then so with the with the ponds again I go all year we I go all year round yeah. and and that's the opportunity to kind of delve into something else that comes to me, which is community too. right so there's yeah. nature yeah. quick hit on nature so we're talking about breath work and down regulating the studies are showing that you know they looked at 260 participants in 24 locations and this in Japan with all their forest bathing studies that they've been undertaking and People from the, the urbanites they take there, so we're urbanites, right? 83% of the UK live in urban environments, spend 90% of our time indoors. Mm. So what they're showing is when you take those urbanites and you put them into nature, within 20 minutes there's a, like a drop, 13 plus percent drop in cortisol, their heart rate, their blood pressure drops. So they go from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic state in that moment. Yeah. So just 20 minutes in nature. Um, has an, I mean, profound effect. Yeah. So quick yeah. dip in the pond. Or just, to, or just, just to be in nature, just to be in nature. Day, and then yeah. but also to bring nature in. So it's not just something to stimulate your ancestral eyes. Mm-hmm. So they show a um, like a book with nature scene versus storm, let's say. And the nature scene, when staring at the nature scene, if it's really familiar, you'll drop in quicker. So that will drop them into a parasympathetic state. They then look at the storm and it brings them into a sympathetic fight and flight state. 
Now the same thing happens with the storm as they show them in urban setting. So understand that the urban setting for us will stimulate that response. That's why you have to taper it back by 10% and work with breathing so you remain in a parasympathetic state. Otherwise you're responding to the same scenario as the storm. Then, if you bring more nature into an environment, the more plants you have, the more greenery, the more you can downregulate and stay in that profound state. Wow, oh, that's, that's amazing. That's really good yeah. advice. It's great, because it means that people are not going to think, oh, well, I don't live in the country, so I can't have this life. But we can't all live in these rambling piles in the country, can we? No. And also, you know, it's, it's not that great. It's, city life's amazing, really, if you tune into it. I agree. Like Ham said, I don't need to. I don't. Need, I don't own a car. I, I use a zip car when I need a car, right? And the rest of the time we walk, right? My friends have moved down to Somerset. You can't. You can't walk anywhere. You have to yeah. drive everywhere, right? Surrounded by nature, but you still have to drive everywhere. Yeah, that's very true. You know, yeah. so there's that. And in London, there's like three thousand parks, thirty thousand allotments, three million um, gardens, two nature reserves, and eight million trees. You yeah. know, so there's plenty of nature there. You just have to rather than spend. 20 minutes on the tube to get to the West End and spend 20 minutes on the tube and go to nature. Yeah. yeah. You know? And it's lovely going into, like, so I live near Richmond Park, just walking in there. You don't need, and the kids just play in there. Well, my kids are older now, but kids, you see kids playing. They don't need a swing or a slide or yeah, a absolutely. thing. Just they just let them be free. No, again, that's the difference the between the zoo and nature. Right? Mm. Nature is a playground. Yeah. You know, but you, again, that also comes down to the adult behavior, you know? Well, we spoke about and this the convenience, right? Funny, because though, children like, observe. I, right? go. No, I, I go in there. I just—it's me that go. You know, yeah. I, I go in and I also do a bit of climbing and I do a bit of balancing. And then once I get doing it, then they do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, because we've Leave we've got into this kind of uh, thing where we the grown ups have to be really serious and just let the children play and stand there on our phones or talking well, or whatever it is. Whereas we're we demonstrating. We've got this while they're all on, in the tree. Yeah. So we're doing this, and then and then we and then we expect them on them about having screen time. Um, I'm anyway. so upset that we have to wrap up. I feel like we're going to have to get you back again. We can do another one. Because there's so much content I've got written down here. Questions I want to do an outdoor one you. with you. We have to go and do, Maybe we'll do, do it in Amsterdam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can do a little dip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe you and Tilly can do a dip. We do a three-minute podcast yeah. in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stand out of the water yeah. and record you both. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think people are going to take so much away from this. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. We'll get you back on again. Boom, yes. There we go. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you took anything away from it that you think might benefit others, please share with family, friends, or on social media. Most of the podcasts we have grown to love ourselves have been recommended to us. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Healthy Happy Home Podcast, where our intention is to build a beautiful and diverse tribe of souls to join us on this journey to wellness. Thank you to Mega Home Water Distillers for sponsoring this season of Healthy Happy Home. Head over to megahome-distillers.co.uk to learn more about the most reliable and efficient home drinking water distiller on the market and to benefit from a 5% discount as a listener of Healthy Happy Home by using the code HHH5 at checkout. Thank you to Megahome.